Hey friends, I'm Casey and this is Let's Tell Their Story. In the United States alone, over the past 40 years, over 200,000 cases have gone unsolved. Whether that be missing persons, unsolved murders, or unsolved suspicious deaths, I'm here to tell you the stories about the cases that were never solved. I hope I can bring light to these cold cases that just sit and collect dust. I go through every case with as much research as I possibly can and give you the knowledge that I was able to find. So grab your warmest blanket, find a comfy spot to relax, and let me tell you a story. If you're doing chores like washing dishes, laundry, or even at work, it's okay. You can listen to Story Time. Hi guys, welcome to Let's Tell Their Story, the podcast where we explore some of the most baffling and intriguing and haunting cases that have never been solved and some that have been. I'm your host, Casey. So I know it's been a couple weeks since you heard from me, but my microphone is, I swear, possessed. Uh, Some days it wants to work. And then when I want to go to record, it doesn't. Today, I'm taking advantage of the fact that it wants to record and we're going to do this. So the last time you heard from me, we were talking about the Rodney Brooks case in Antarctica. So let's change this up a little bit and get out of the cold and heat things up since why not? It's outside right now. It's snowing here in Wisconsin. So let's venture to Death Valley National Park, which is on the California-Nevada border in the United States. A little history on Death Valley National Park. On July 10th, 1913, temperatures had hit a record temperature of 134 degrees Fahrenheit, which is also 57 degrees Celsius. Local miners had stopped using a road access to access their attempts to mine gold, silver, borax, and talc after the financial panic in 1907 slowed or stopped most mining activities in the area. According to the Park Service, virtually all metallic mining operations had shut down by 1915. New claims in Death Valley ended with the passage of the Mining in the Parks Act of 1976. But it wasn't until the closure of the Billy Mine Borax operation near Dante's View that all mining finally ended within the park. So Anvil Canyon, I'm going to be bringing it up quite a few times throughout this story. It is two and a half miles downstream from Willow Springs, Anvil Canyon the Anvil Canyon access where really there wasn't a road at all until ni- until October of 1994 and the road that was put in was a result of the Desert Protection Act and it wasn't it was meant to be designed an official wilderness area and it had prohibited any public vehicles from using it so now we got a little history why don't we get into this case On July 8, 1996, a family of four landed at the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport to immediately board another flight to the Los Angeles International Airport, where they began the start of their vacation away from Dresden, Germany. 
The family of four included Egbert Remkes, his 11-year-old son, George Weber, his 27-year-old girlfriend, Cornelia Meyer, and Cornelia went by Connie, and her four-year-old son, Max Meyer. When the four got to Los Angeles International Airport, they had rented a 1996 Green Plymouth Voyager minivan, and they had spent some time in the San Clemente area, and and then they drove to Paradise, Nevada, where they stayed at the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. When they were there, Egbert called his bank in Germany and requested requested a $1,500 be wired to him in California and then he also faxed his ex-wife asking for more money but she never ended up sending it. On the 22nd of July the four of them had traveled to Death Valley National Park and had bought two copies of the Death Valley National Monument museum text that was in German at the Furnace Creek Visitor Center. And that is allegedly where they probably spent their first night camping in Hanapau Canyon. The next day is the family kind of did the tourist thing. They seen the sites and they put their names on visitor logs. Connie, she was the one that signed the visitors logs and she put all of four of their names on there while they were visiting signing all their names they had actually came across an abandoned mining camp that they had signed and she had signed that they were going over the pass which has led everyone to believe that they were headed over the Mengel Pass and this would be what was referred to as the geologist cabin in Butte Valley. There was a U.S. flag that was to be put up when the cabin was occupied, which the family actually had taken. And the West Valley National Monument Museum text and the flag will later be found. So the four of that the four of them, they had a return flight to Dresden, Germany, out of LAX, which is Los Angeles International Airport, to return home on the 27th of July, but they never made that flight. A couple of days later, Egbert's ex-wife was concerned that her ex-husband and her son didn't return from their vacation. Pretty sure the ex was probably more worried about her kid than her ex-husband, but I digress. It wouldn't be until the 21st of October 1996 that the rental van they had rented would be discovered by a ranger that was, this ranger was actually out looking to find illegal activity and trying to find any illegal drug, drug manufacturing labs. This was Ranger Dave Brenner and he was over the southern part of Death Valley so when Brenner, he found the van, he looked it over and he had checked the plates and realized that they were California plates. So he got a hold to the California Highway Patrol 
and discovered that the van had been reported stolen on September 10th, 1996. So the <clears throat> they had rented the van from Dollar Car Rentals and they take a roughly 30 days before they report the vehicle stolen. And while Brenner was looking over the van, he did notice that there was a camera that was found in pictures, and it had suggested that the four had traveled on the California coast before heading to the Treasure Island Hotel in Las Vegas. So when they checked into their hotel on the 22nd of July, the temperatures there were hitting a hot temperatures that year. It was 124 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's believed that their next destination was Yosemite National Park in California, which is roughly a three hour drive from Death Valley. There was also receipts from the Furnace Creek Visitor Center that showed that someone had bought two copies of the Death Valley National Monument text in German. And those pamphlets happened to be found in the 96 Plymouth Voyager. So on the 22nd of October, Death Valley National Park investigator Eric Inman he had flown into the area of Anvil Canyon and he had started an initial search and he had photographed the scene. So apart from Brenner's tracks the previous day, there weren't any other footprints that were visible around the vehicle. However, there were some food wrappers near the, the minivan and some human waste and toilet paper. So Inman, he ended up returning to the California Highway Patrol helicopter to go to Badwater Road in Death Valley, where he had met with <clears throat> Detective Jim Jones and Corporal Leon Boyer from the Inyo Sheriff's Office. And then they went back to Anvil by car and then Inman, he had flown back to the site around 1 p.m. that day. So along with the um, pamphlets and the camera that was found, they had also found a Two, they actually found uh, two unopened full, unopened full bottles of Bud Ice beer and one empty bottle, and one three-quarter full bottle of bourbon. And there were several empty water bottles and juice containers, luggage and clothing. They had several rolls of 35 millimeter film. They had come across one Coleman sleeping bag in its box and an, another empty Coleman sleeping bag box, um, a tent, a pipe, 
the pipe had tobacco in it, a leather card carrier containing bank cards, and a Citicorp credit card, a card from the Seahorse Resort in San Clemente, children's toys, an unused compact spare tire and jack. Now, I didn't, I forgot to mention, so that's kind of important that the spare tire and the jack weren't mentioned because when Brenner found the vehicle, the three of the four tires were flat and it appeared that they had drove quite a ways on it, basically ruining the rims. Now, on the 23rd of October, there was actually search efforts had actually finally begun. So, the ones involved in the, in the search efforts were the China Lake Mountain Rescue Group, the trackers from the Indian Wells Valley Search and Rescue Group, and eight mounted units from the Kern County Sheriff's Mounted Search and Rescue. And their focus was on the Anvil Canyon and the entrance entrance at the Warm Spring Road. So it was actually the members of the China Lake Mountain Rescue Group that had found the Bud Ice beer bottle. It was stuck in the sand in Anvil Canyon. And it was next to a bush. And this bush was... A, around uh, 1.7 miles away from the abandoned minivan and it was kind of shoved into the dirt next to a clearing and this clearing had been had dirt on it had been cleared and it appeared that someone had sat down to get out of the sun and get in some shade so there was a seat print next to the bottle so we're everybody's assuming it was probably Egbert because it was such a it was a larger butt print I guess is the best way to put that on the second day the search area was expanded and then teams from the Nye County Nevada and Inyo County arrived there was two helicopters that were brought in areas that include that were searched were included more of the Anvil Canyon, portions of Warm Spring Road and Butte Valley, Mango Pass, the area adjacent to Warm Spring Road between the Canyon Mouth and the West Side Road, and from the lo van's location easterly to the head of the Anvil Canyon at Willow Spring. So on the 25th, the team from the DM DVNP, the Death Valley National Park, they end up searching the area between the mouth of Anvil Canyon to in the far side of the main valley, valley to Badwater Road. Um, another searchers went southeasterly to Butte Valley. Uh, they went through the west side of the Mango Pass between Bal... Ballarat and Barker Ranch. A team from Lake Mead National Park, they searched from Anvil Canyon northerly over the mountain and down into Butte Valley. The Indian Wells team, they did an intensive, extensive search around Willow Spring at the head of the Anvil Canyon and 
the CLMRG, they searched from the middle of Anvil Canyon and they went north then in a westerly direction so the fourth the fourth day october 26 they it was the final day of searching for the group because the environment was just too much for these searchers to be going out in and this last search they checked the northern part of warm spring canyon again as well as the mines where the where the lost person might have, I mean, a lost person might have sought shelter in a mine. The Victor, Victorville team performed searches around Striped Butte in Butte Valley. The Lake Mead team, they also checked Striped Butte, as well as walking the Warm Spring Canyon Road. Uh, the Rangers, they walked the west side of the Mingo Pass and down westerly towards Ballarat. The Indian Wells team, they searched the vicinity of Warm Spring Road and West Side Road. And when some, f then there were some fr footprints that had been found. And these were new to the searchers, but there really wasn't anything concrete they could go off of. Finally, there was an aerial view of of the two with the two helicopters in the quadrants around Anvil Canyon, including going south. But the winds were so bad that it really hampered the helicopters doing a thorough search. So they had they ended up calling the search off on the twenty sixth. And at the end of the day, considering there weren't any clues other than that Bud Ice beer bottle, they pretty much stopped the search altogether. Um, there was probably roughly at least 250, 250 people that were involved in the search. And the areas covered were well-reasoned and a high probability probability of success was expected but the four Germans were never weren't found so over the years there was many additional searchers that had made search and rescue attempts there was a man by the name Emmett Harder he had he was granted access by the Inyo Sheriff's Office to view the pictures recovered from the the family's camera. So he was really familiar with the area, and when he was looking through the pictures, he recognized the sunset one of the sunset pictures, and it looked easterly down onto the main valley valley as having been taken at Hanapao Canyon which is actually located about 17 miles north of Warm Springs Canyon so this with this picture Harder basically knew that the Germans had visited the Death Valley, Death Valley Visitor Center on the 22nd of July 
and their warm spring logbook entry would have been on the 23rd. So this suggested to Harder that the Germans had made camp in the upper reaches of the Hanapau Canyon on the night of the July 22nd, and it's believed that they probably just stayed in their van that night. Reported and indicated there was a story of an individual on an all-terrain vehicle that had found two German canteens in the area and described he described them as being at the midpoint of a straight line between Sugarloaf and Needle Peak. Now this would have been about three and a half miles southeast of where the abandoned minivan had been found. It was also said that in the three month period between when the Germans went to Death Valley and their vehicle being discovered, that a ranger that was on patrol about 18 miles to the south, he had found a sleeping bag in the middle of a remote dirt road. Now remember there was a empty Coleman sleeping bag box that was found in the minivan so could this have been the missing sleeping bag? Well the ranger he believed that the sleeping bag was just trash so he discarded it and where this sleeping bag was found the the road was it's very remote and it happens to end at a microwave relay tower that at the time it was owned by AT&T. Now, from 1996 to 2009, people went searching, but there was never anything found. And it wouldn't be until Tom Mahood and Les Walker, they were... A search and they were search and rescue workers with Los Angeles County. So they began reading on the case, and it actually inspired them to join a search and rescue team. So Tom Mahood, he actually had a theory to what may have happened, considering he had found the maps. He believed that the route that they were going through Butte Valley to in the Mingo Pass and we're heading to the infamous Barker Ranch. Well, okay, so the Barker Ranch is where Charles Manson's followers had stayed. Then north to the ghost town of Ballarat and then on to Yosemite. But the road that they were on was technically only ATV, but all-terrain vehicles could go on. There was no way a minivan should have been on that road at all. And they probably were driving too fast for it, and it was just probably impossible to get to Yosemite. It's also assumed that they were going to take a shortcut to Yosemite and just with the road conditions that's assumed that the tires had the rocks had burst the tires and then they were really in trouble 
So there was three of the four tires that had went pop flat. And so it would have been impossible for them to go on. Now they probably thought that if they kept going that they would come across what would be the boundaries of the China Lake Naval Weapons Station. So Egbert, he had a reasoning behind this. So in Germany, the the weapon stations, they are protected by soldiers and have people on site. Well, this wouldn't have been the case in the U.S. So he probably assumed that if they got to the naval base that they'd be helped. Mahood and Walker, they spent many hours searching the case and then they eventually went out and they did happen to come across the skeletal remains of two adults. The one was confirmed to be Egbert Rimkus. The other is assumed to have been Connie Meyer due to the fact that her ID, her passport, and her bank card were found in a wallet near the remains. Now, the kids, they their bodies were never, or their skeletal remains were never found. It's, there were some allegations that they were, but it's never been confirmed. Now, there's plenty of theories on what happened to these four. I mean, other apart from the fact that the obvious explanation that heat stroke probably got to them, um... Now, one of, probably one of my favorite theories is that they had staged their disappearance and had started a new life in a new country because Egbert's co-workers had said that he'd talked about moving to Costa Rica, but this is probably most one of the most unlikely theories because why would you choose Death Valley to stage your disappearance? I but then I guess that wouldn't probably make the most sense. I guess you just sometimes you just gotta think outside the box. Another story was Egbert was trying to get to the China Lake facility to find hybrid propulsion which was technology and either the group had been forcibly conscribed into a black ops U.S. government program or they saw something that they weren't supposed to see aliens maybe and they were eliminated by the government <clears throat> there is also the chance that they may have met foul play with illegal drug activities or a psychopath that was out in the desert? Never know. Again, this is probably a very unlikely possibility. And the disappearance of the four Germans has remained a puzzle for 
many years and to this day it still remains unsolved and unanswered and it's an interesting case um so with that being said i hope everybody had a great holiday for thanksgiving for my u.s listeners you can follow us on facebook facebook at let's tell their story instagram at let's tell our story you can make a tweet or an x or whatever that is at let's their story because it only allows you so many characters uh if you have an idea of a case i should do uh email us at let's tell our story at gmail.com and we'll talk to you hopefully again next week if my microphone cooperates love you bye